0: Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight incredible women in STEM and discover who they are at home, at work, and everywhere in between. You can find all of our episodes wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Hi, I'm Dana Johnson, the president of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to Diverse, a SWE podcast. On today's episode of Diverse, we're celebrating International Women in Engineering Day with a very special guest, Niraja Ganesh. Niraja is a TEDx speaker and a keynote speaker at conferences all across the globe, including our very own We Local Conference that took place last April in Bengaluru, India. Where I had the pleasure of seeing her speak in person. I can say personally I saw her inspire and motivate over 1200 women who were all on their feet talking about stepping into their power as next-gen women leaders. Miraja heads the education initiatives at Aspire for Her, an organization with a vision to impact over one million women And add $5 billion to India's GDP through increased participation of women in the workforce. Before she switched her career to focus on gender diversity, she had a successful 25 year career in STEM in the information technology field. Thank you so much for joining us today, Niraja.
1: Thank you for having me here. I'm so thrilled to be on this show today. I've been following the journey of SWE over the years. And of course, I myself saw the impact that this platform created on the 1,200 plus women who attended the We Local in Namma Bengaluru a few weeks back. I'm sure the podcast is creating a similar impact in terms of transforming the mindsets of the women. So thank you once again for inviting me today to speak.
0: Well, I'm so excited to dive right in. And today we're going to be talking all about mindset specifically for women in STEM. Can you start by explaining the basics of mindset, what it is, how it impacts our day-to-day decisions, and why that matters when it comes into stepping into our
1: power as leaders? So let me start by asking everyone listening into this podcast to reflect on something. Reflect on three things. An incident when you were at college when an extremely exciting and challenging opportunity was presented to the class. Second, an incident when you were at the beginning of your career, say within the first 18 months, when an extremely exciting and challenging opportunity was made available to the team or to the organization. And the third reflection is about an incident in the recent past when an extremely exciting and challenging opportunity was made available to the team or organization how many of us have the same enthusiasm today when we were in college and grabbed that opportunity or how many of us are excited today when such opportunities come by but during our college days or early years of our career we did not care about such opportunities and there could be some of us who initially had all the enthusiasm but went low during our early years of career only to get back with More stronger enthusiasm. Why have we transformed like this? Of course, there will be a set of people who have always kept their excitement levels high and they just go ahead grabbing every opportunity that comes their way. Now, the reason for these changes is because of the experiences that we have had. Example, if we had put up our hands during our college and tried to do some new things, and if we had an experience, of not getting acknowledged, or maybe having been criticized, we could have decided, and this is in our thoughts, right? That this is what happens when we put up our hands. We only get criticism. And that thought actually becomes a belief system. These beliefs shape our attitudes, which in turn shape our actions. That's why after that experience, Whenever an opportunity came by, probably we did not put up our hands. However, if we decide to keep that experience aside and say after a few days, months or years, we put up our hands again for another exciting opportunity. And if that gets a lot of positive acclaim, that experience shapes our thoughts and beliefs differently. And this is what is mindset. It's a vicious cycle, right? Till we decide to think and act differently, to try and get a different experience, it continues. The thoughts shape our beliefs, and the beliefs, you know, then turn into the actions, and the actions give us an experience. As leaders, we need to have a growth mindset and enable everyone around us to have a growth mindset. Now, let me quickly talk about the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. So a fixed mindset is when we believe that human qualities are carved in stone. If you believe that you have only a certain amount of intelligence, a certain personality, and a certain moral character, then all you can do is prove that you have the traits you have and you continuously hide your deficiencies. However, a growth mindset is when you believe that through your own efforts, you can cultivate your personal qualities. And when someone has this belief, then that person is more likely to have a passion for learning because he or she believes that they are developing their qualities. Also, rather than seeing a challenge as something to avoid because it will reveal your weaknesses, you welcome it because you see it as an opportunity to grow and learn. So while our experiences might not be positive when we undertake some initiatives, or projects or challenges, we should continue to keep a growth mindset and be open to exploring. Let me give you two quick stories around here. So I have never driven a car. In fact, I have never even ridden a bicycle, okay? But uh, every time I think about it, you know, my family, especially my husband, he tells me that I lack geometric thinking. And he says that if you are on the road, you need to have this kind of thinking so that you can navigate. You can assess the distance between the vehicle in front of you, vehicles by your side and behind you. And because you lack geometric thinking, I think you you will be a disaster on the road. And I've kind of kept that in my mind. And till today, despite the several nudges that have come to me from my friends, I have not attempted to drive. Contrast it to my daughter who's 21. A few years ago, probably when she was 13 or 14, and she's a writer, she wrote a short story and she came to me and she said that she wants to publish this as a book and she wanted my help to publish it. And I told her, my God, this is just a short story, a few pages. Nobody publishes, you know, these kinds of books. It's going to be a waste of time and money. So you write bigger things and then we will think about publishing. After a month, she came back to me and she said that she has published it herself. And that's when the Amazon Kindle publishing had just started. Of course, today we have a lot of self-publishing that happens. But then it was Amazon and that was the first that had begun. She had researched and she had gone ahead and put her story content on this platform. And she made the cover, the back page, everything. And the only reason she came to me was after having put the price for the book, and the royalty that she was going to get, the platform was asking her for the bank account where the royalty proceeds should be deposited. And she didn't know her bank account details. So she came to me. And then I said, if this girl on her own could reach this stage, then I should help her. And I went ahead and you know got her a bank account and, and that book is doing quite well on Amazon now. And she continues to have that kind of an open mindset, a growth mindset. At 21 now, she's just gone ahead and booked driving classes and she's all set to learn driving. And that Excellent. is what I mean by mindset.
0: Well, I, having been in India now, I don't know that I would necessarily want to learn to drive in India. So I can't say I blame you on that personally, but kudos to your daughter for not only publishing a book, but also learning to navigate that traffic. I will say coming from the States, that's not normal here. If you'd like to learn to drive in a safer environment, come, drive, come fly over here. I'll teach you how to
1: drive. <laughs> Thank you.
0: And I think that the way you spun a lot of the looking back at some of those opportunities that came our way and how we thought about them, I think that's a really great way to think about how our perspective can change based on the outside influences that impact us. So I think that's Really important to keep in our mind as we go through this. I'm sure that's why you set the stage. But as we continue through here, can you help us think through some of the key mindsets or the beliefs beyond what you've already sort of planted the seeds
1: with that our next gen women leaders will need in order to succeed? So, a few things that women, and I am generalizing it here, but it's something that we have seen largely across generations. The first one is that women carry a lower level of confidence. Men are seen more confident across all age groups. Half of the women managers admit to feelings of self-doubt. It's also found that women with low confidence have obviously lower expectations of reaching a leadership or a management role and are actually less likely to achieve their career ambitions. And this lack of confidence is evident in women's more cautious approach to applying for jobs or putting up their hands for promotions. So we all know men will apply for a role even when they are 50% qualified, but a woman would want herself to be 100% or more than that qualified. But by the time she gets to be that 100% qualified, that role has already been taken up by someone else, could be a man or another woman. Mm -hmm. And I want the woman to understand that she will be 100% qualified only when she has already done a similar role. Otherwise, there'll always be a gap. So if you're taking a similar role, then you're not growing. So if you want to grow, then take that risk. So if you're 70% there, it's good enough, go for it because taking a risk almost always pays off. That's the first thing that I would like to tell women. The second one is about being very intentional about their careers. It's called career intentionality. Again, we've seen that men have greater clarity of their career directions. If you were to ask uh, some of the men managers What do you want to do in the next two years, five years, 10 years? They will have something in mind and they will kind of blurt it out. But women would say, I have no idea. Let me see how this goes. I don't even know in five years time how my personal life would have shaped up. And there will be many, many reasons and excuses. And hence, they are not intentional about their careers. Now, what happens when you're not intentional about careers and a stumbling block comes your way? It could be at home or it could be at work. The first thing we think about is pausing or quitting. I always give this example of you know wanting to drive on the car and for some reason we have car and driving today, for example, you get up on a Sunday morning and decide to kind of just go on a long car drive. You have no destination in mind; you just want to spend a few hours on the road and as you are driving after a half an hour, you see that there is a blockade on the road now since you didn't have any destination in mind what you could possibly do is turn around and come back but if you're very intentional about the destination then you won't come back you will look at your google maps and see okay is there a different route that you could take and still reach your destination that's exactly how intentional careers are if you know that in 10 years you want to reach a particular position then come what may you will try your very best to reach there even if you don't reach there you'll at least be you know, on the way to reach there. And that is the second thing that I want to talk to women about in terms of the mindset. The third is that you don't have to be a superwoman. Please ask for help at home, at work, everywhere. I want to narrate a story of this lady who said that after her child was born. I mean, of course, before the children are born, I think we are a little bit more free. We're probably, you know, have a lot more social engagements. We have dates with our spouses and partners. And this lady used to you know, ensure that every Saturday she and her husband would go have a lunch date. But after the child was born, she said that was becoming a problem. So she said, I started taking help from my neighbors. I told them every Saturday for a few hours, I would like them to help uh, me out taking care of this child. And she would still step out with her husband and have the lunch date and come back. Of course, one needs to return the favor, she, which she did. We also have heard of so many stories of Indra Nooyi, where she talks about Indra Nooyi, uh, the ex-CEO uh, of PepsiCo. She talks about how she sought help from her own secretary when her daughter came back from school and she would want permission to play a game. She would call the secretary. The secretary would ask a few questions to see whether all the school work was completed and then give permission to her whether she could play or not. So it is very important for us to seek help. You know, our guilt, uh, the mother's guilt, the woman's guilt is always there. I also narrate the story of my own daughter in the uh, younger days. On the last day of her school, the class decided that each of them is going to bring in something from home as a potluck lunch. And my daughter volunteered on my behalf to bring pasta. And I'm a hopeless cook. I mean, I'm not interested in cooking at all. And she came home and she told me, Ma, uh, you know, I've kind of said 40 people will get pasta from you. And I sat down and I prepped the previous night and the next morning, etc. Because I had the guilt. She told me this girl's mother is going to send a baker cake. Somebody else's mother was going to make some juice. So I did the pasta and I sent it and I waited till my daughter came back home and I asked her, how was it? She said it was good. And then she said, oh, but you know, Ma, the other mother did not bake a cake. She just bought it from the local bakery. (laughs) And the other mother, she just bought some bottled juices. And many mothers sent money and said, go to the canteen and buy And I said, oh, my God, the guilt (laughs) of trying to be a good mother. Right. You don't have to. really don't have to. Exactly. The The fourth and I have two more things quickly. One is about getting out of the comfort zone. We women have such a need to feel needed, right? So what we do is once we are in a team uh, in a particular role after uh, a year or so, we get very good at it. And hence the whole team runs around us and say, oh, things will just not work without you. And we feel feel very good about that. And this need to feel needed makes us stay in that role and in that team for much longer than one should be. If it is coupled with no career intentionality, then it just gets worse. So I tell people that they need to continuously move the goalpost and they need to continuously learn so that they are always out of their comfort zone and putting up their hands for newer jobs, newer roles and, you know, different assignments. That's the way I have moved out from a 25 years of an IT career to going and heading not-for-profit foundations, working in the academia. And today I have a consulting career and then I do a lot of talks and, you know, workshops like this. And the last but not the least, it is so important for us to have a large network and also build our identity, which is also called as the personal brand. And uh, one has to have a good online presence. Like, for example, we were speaking before we started recording that people have heard me. They're probably meeting me for the first time today here, but they have seen my presence on social media, on LinkedIn, where I'm continuously saying I'm speaking here or, you know, I've done a session there. So your personal brand is very important. You have to be the person who is, is the person of recall, you see, right? So in a room when you're not there, are you the person who gets spoken about for a particular trait, which is your brand? And you need to have an extremely large network. For example, the invite for me to speak at the We Local conference also came from a network. And because I have a brand that says that Nirja does a fairly good job of speaking. So, yeah, these are the five things that I would like to leave the audience with.
0: Now, there's so many great lessons in there, Nirja, about it, the one I really liked that resonated with me. Well, they all resonated, but especially I enjoyed your career intentionality description, right? I I always think we hear that and that we need to be intentional, but we don't always get it related back to such a a story that makes so much sense, right? We always right. think, okay, well, there's there's a block in the road. We'll just take this other thing that's off close to the block and we'll we'll wait here while while that block clears while we can until we can get through and sometimes it doesn't clear sometimes they close the road down forever and you have to find a different path just to carry that metaphor out a little bit further but i i think that that really resonated also i i personally and i think i mentioned this to you in person when we were in india <laughs> that i don't cook dinner ever so i would i would probably be the person that was completely stressing about how to make it but i i would also like to think that i would just put some money toward the problem and and say go buy whatever you need but i think we as as working moms have to accept that that's an okay solution we have to accept that that's sometimes that's good enough and i you know when we start talking about having confidence and and imposter syndromes we sometimes struggle with accepting that good enough is in fact good enough. So I think tying into that a little bit, as we talk about imposter syndrome, we SWE is very aware of it. And we recently did a social media post about it. There's been a lot of engagement on that post. Obviously, it's a very hot topic. You've brought it up. SWE has brought it up. It's everywhere you turn. I feel like it's in the news when we talk about women. What specific tips do you have as it relates to imposter syndrome maybe boiling down some of what you talked about and any other tips that you've got in your, your tool bag to help all of us that struggle with it.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, let me start by saying that everyone has it. Even men have it. It's not that they don't, but I think they deal with it much better. Uh, we probably, we women probably struggle a bit with that. And I myself have it despite the fact that I've done so many talks. Every time I get invited to a talk, the first thing the imposter asks me is, do you think you can deliver a talk to this audience? And I have learned over a period of time to calm the imposter down and say, my mantra. What's the worst that can happen? So that is the first question that I ask myself. And I would urge everyone to ask when the imposter is telling you, you are not yet there. You just got lucky. People will get to know that you're not good, but you're just kind of faking it. Or anything else that is you know, bringing in self-doubt, ask the question. What's the worst that can happen? So in my case, for an example, if we are doing this talk and the imposter is telling me you're going to really, really be bad at this because you've never done it. This is not the audience that you've spoken to. My answer to that question, what's the worst that can happen would be that. um, Yeah, I will probably become dumb. I will not be able to speak any words. That's the worst, right? That's the worst. Mm -hmm. And hence this recording will have to be stopped. And I know that that would be a pain point for SWI because uh, we are looking at uh, getting this episode out soon. And SWE will probably never reach out to me for another uh, talk. And uh, if somebody were to come to you saying, hey, isn't a good speaker? You would give feedback that, no, I don't think she is. I think I can deal with that because nobody is taking my life away just because I could not speak. Right. I will just get better at it. I will reflect why is it that I was not able to speak. Maybe I will need some more practice. I'll do whatever is required. And the next time I will try to be better. So for me, the answer to this question, what's the worst that can happen? Only if the answer is that my life is at threat or somebody's life is at threat, then I wouldn't go ahead and take that on. Otherwise, I'll just go for it. Right. But I know that each person has a different threshold level of taking risk. And that's why I said, please go ahead and, you know, up your risk taking threshold. If the answer is something that you can deal with, go for it. So that's the first mantra. A few other things that I encourage people so that the imposter doesn't really bother them. The first one is have a lot of positive affirmations. Why do you keep talking about negative things? Why do you have to only think about something will go wrong? Can we start thinking about all the positive things that will happen if we did it? So I would say if I manage to do this talk well, it will go out to all the followers on sweet Look at the number of women and men we would be able to impact positively, the transformations that will happen. And of course, there's a personal... You know, a plus also that, you know, my brand presence will further increase. I may get further opportunities to speak. So can we start looking at putting in a lot more positive affirmations? The second thing I tell people is keep a success file. Especially women, we try to minimize our achievements. We always think of our shortcomings. Instead of that, can we start writing somewhere till it starts coming into our head, Right a diary about all the successes, small and big, that has happened to us. So every time the imposter is telling us, you you will not be able to do this. Even if somebody else comes and tells us, you will not be able to do this. Can we open up the success file to see how many successes we've had already? That just boosts our confidence and we can go. The third one is sometimes we all need to do a digital detox because a lot of this comes because we are seeing the rest of the world performing excellently we don't even know whether that is true because we also understand that you know there's so much on instagram that comes only for the sake of you know showing to the world that i'm enjoying my life but behind those scenes one really doesn't know what's happening so right. sometimes it's good to do a digital detox to say okay i don't want to know what the world is doing i'm doing a few good things and i will stay there the fourth tip could be let's start to say Yes, more often than saying no to opportunities because you know we are worried. Just practice saying yes more often the fourth the sorry the fifth one is we are all not alone. Everyone else has the imposter syndrome, but despite that, everyone else is moving and chugging along well. so can we also make that attempt? And the last one is most important for me, and I call it visualization. Can we visualize? What is it that we want to achieve? And, you know, this is a, a thing that many, many people who have achieved levels of success, they have said. I visualize that in the next five years, I have already reached what I want to be or where I want to be. When you have to visualize, you visualize every aspect. For example, I was sitting in a, as an audience at one of the events And I was taking pictures and sending it to my family. And uh, one of my cousins asked me, Hey, are you a speaker? I said, No, 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 I'm in the audience. And I told myself, But I do want to be a speaker. And I started visualization, visualization, visualizing where do I want to speak? What kind of an event? And what is the topic? What am I going to wear? How am I going to, you know, climb up the stage? And I also visualized the applause that i got at the end of it and visualization also means that you think of all the challenges that will come so what if i trip down and fall down so in my head if i visualize that then i'm also going to find a way not to not for that to happen and this is a very powerful you know tool to kind of reach where you want to reach and it has really you know done wonders for me so this was 2016 when i was in the audience and i had done not a single talk by 2020 i had at least 100 150 talks to my credit so visualization works awesome. so these are some of the things
0: and and i love that visualizing the the applause you'll get at the end right it's it, it's important to feel that positive feedback as well i think at least if i'm as i'm visualizing visualizing the next thing i have to do no i i think that that's that's all great and I. I feel like, especially as women, we struggle with what's the worst that can happen. And we go way down a path and we have all of these really awful scenarios that we think might happen. And the likelihood of them happening is so small. And even the likelihood of people remembering them that they do happen is so small. I was just recently talking with somebody about some of the things that have happened and you know, the things that we personally remember that nobody else remembers. You know, it's, <laughs> It's just, it's interesting the way our brains play tricks on us that way. And it's to your point, Nirja, it's about the mindset and how do we get to that growth mindset of that happened? I'm better because of it. I am absolutely going to do it again. You know, if you feared speaking because one time you tripped on that last step and you thought people were never going to listen to you again, where would you be? Not speaking at We Local in India for us, that's for sure. But I'm I'm so grateful that you're sharing these tips with us because I really think they're going to resonate with our listeners.
1: Glad about that.
0: So I really wanted to dive into you being a mother. I know you've spoken about your daughter a little bit today so far, and I know you spoke about her in person while we were there but I, I'm a mother as well. I think many of our listeners know that. And I've, I've maybe mentioned it so far in, in this conversation. But one of the things that is really hard as a working mom is balancing that motherhood with a career. And I'm hoping you can share with us a situation where you felt like you had to choose between motherhood and your professional success and and talk us through hopefully what your mindset was as you navigated that.
1: Uh, So one of the things I tell people is that one has to always know their priorities. And it sounds very simple, but when we do sit down and reflect on our priorities, I think we haven't done enough of reflection. So let's always start with what our priorities are and priorities keep changing. It's all right at some point in our life to have career as the absolute, you know, priority and don't care for the rest of the things like my daughter. Sneha, who started her first corporate job today. So she's been working for the last three years as she was also pursuing her graduation uh, at Aspire for her. But today it was actually she's finished her graduation and she started work and she's not yet come back home. It's like 8, 19 p.m. Right. So I know that, you know, sometimes corporate jobs and with the traffic in on the Bengaluru roads, you're probably going to be always outside the house. That's okay. That's her priority. But at some point in time, as you said, when we become mothers and we have children, our priorities will have to change. So very important for us to keep those priorities in mind. So one of the incidents that I would like to narrate is when the same daughter Sneha was uh, in her teenage. And we all know, you know, what teenage tantrums uh, come by, kind of deal with it. It was a very difficult phase of two years when... uh, My daughter uh, wasn't possibly, you know, probably talking to us well. I was also having a job which used to extend late hours in the evening. So I would come back late in the evening. Some days I would say hi to her. She would respond. Some days she won't respond. Some days I was okay if she didn't respond. On other days I would say, Why is it that you can't even speak to me? And then there would be a big fight, right? So I knew that this was a very, very delicate phase. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I got this opportunity to do a role which was the account manager role at the client uh, site where I was actually performing a delivery manager role. So I was actually handling the delivery for the PeopleSoft uh, suite of um, applications. It was a global delivery role. I had to work at the client site uh, and I had a fairly good uh, reputation about uh, myself and my skills. And uh, the client actually asked if Um, you know, my company um, from where I was deployed here would put me as the account manager role, not just to delivery, but manage the entire account. It was a very prestigious role. And I would have been thrilled to do it because having sat within the client office, I knew exactly what needs to be fixed and what are the things that can be improved. And I would have done fabulously in this role. But I also knew that this role, while it would come with a flexibility, because account managers don't have to sit in, in offices, in the client offices from morning till night. You just have to go when you have meetings. Uh, otherwise, you can actually work from home. I also knew the flexibility could extend you know, outside office hours because you could have a, a sudden escalation from the client and you have to be on a call, et cetera. And I thought that if there was one such call, which was not planned or even if it was planned and it was at 7 p.m. in the evening, and my daughter came to me and she said, I want to speak to you, Mama, and I would have said, okay, just wait for 15 minutes till this call ends. The call might have ended in 15 minutes, or it may not have. I may have gone back to her, or I may not have. Even if I had gone back to her and said, okay, Sneha, what is it that you want to speak to me? She may not uh, now want to speak to me about it. And if this happened two or three times, then I felt the already burdened relationship would just go worse. So mm-hmm. I told my manager that I didn't want to take this role, despite it being such a, such a fabulous opportunity for me. And my, I told him the reasons also. And he said, Nirja, how many times do you think this would happen, that you're on a call at 7 p.m. and your daughter wants to speak? And I said, even if it happens one time, I do not want to risk it, because that in, de- in that phase of my life, my relationship with my daughter was extremely delicate. So I didn't take up that role. However, I worked on the relationship with my daughter and in the next, you know, two, three years, we were on better speaking terms. So after I quit my corporate career, I went to head jobs for her foundation. I had absolutely no idea how not-for-profit foundations run. And I had to actually, you know, and and there was no one else, you know, not-for-profit foundations don't have too much of money. So it was a very lean structure. So I had to build it from scratch. I had to build partnerships. I had to build a community. I was the person responsible for communication. Everything was on me. It was like a 24-7 bar job, but I took it very passionately because I really wanted to do that. That particular role was set up to bridge the gender gap in the country. And I said, I want to do this. But I could do it then because by then I had sorted out the relationship with my daughter. And I knew that if she wanted to speak to me and I told her, wait for half an hour, she would understand it. And if I still forgot after that half an hour, she would come bother me. She would you know, ensure that she had the conversation with me. So that's where what I talk about priorities at different stages of your life. And we always say that career is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So take a very holistic and long term view and please run your race at your pace. The others can be running at whatever pace. This is your life. This is your holistic life. So you may slow down on your career at some point in time. You can always you know, go back to it after you've sorted out the other priorities. But that is how you maintain the balance. But keep at it. Don't give up any of it is what I would say.
0: No, I, I really appreciate that. And I think sometimes we forget that Yeah, we all know it's a marathon. We all know we have to get to the finish line but we forget that it's not, it might be a marathon. It's not a race, right? We don't, we don't have to compare ourselves to other people. We might not want what other other people want out of their careers. So I think that's a really important lesson for us to all walk away with. Okay. We, we were talking about mindset for most of this podcast so far, but I think Nirja, as we look at this mindset only goes so far. There's a number of societal issues that come into the the big picture for women in engineering and if we look at the world economic forum data women only make up 15 percent of the global engineering workforce as of 2020 and i my guess is the the global pandemic did not help that number any at least from from stories i've heard here what can companies do to help close that gender gap and support their women
1: i think to start with Companies should make gender-neutral policies. What what do I mean by that? Example, right? We have maternity leave. I know that some companies have paternity leave. Why can't we move it to a parental leave that either of them can take uh, for whatever number of months, you know, the organization is able to support that kind of a leave? But what happens when you make gender-neutral policies like that is, first of all, the men in the organization also start Uh, you know, enjoying those policies and those benefits. And when they see the benefit of it for themselves and their families, they will not use it as an excuse to not hire women or to promote women or anything like that, because they have gone through and really enjoyed those benefits. So gender neutral policies, wherever, instead of saying, oh, we do this for women and we do this for, you know, X, Y, Z, let's make the policy for everyone and, um, you know, kind of have anyone aware of it. Of course, the women will definitely use it for their needs. uh, But this is a good start for men also to be able to appreciate why certain things are needed for women. The second is, I think we have to really run a lot of unconscious bias workshops. Mm -hmm. It is, and I don't say that unconscious bias or the gender bias is there only in the men. It sometimes is there in the women also. I always give this example that, I, because I never took a career break, I went on nonstop for 25 years, just the short maternity break that I took. When I was asked to put out a recommendation to hire women on a career break, my first thought was, what's the big deal about it, right? Mm -hmm. You can just go and hire any woman who's taken a career break. Only to realize when I did some research and I spoke to people is that companies were not very open to hiring women on a career break. And even to find these women, we had to actually look at some platforms which run which which only have women on a career break and they run so many interventions for them because these women are going through further confidence gaps etc so unconscious bias workshops is definitely something that every organization needs to keep running through the year the other thing i have seen is that i run a lot of multi- leadership development programs you know in in organizations which span 3 to 6 months sometimes even a year and um, it's for for different kinds of women leaders. Some of them are for first-time managers. Some are for mid-level managers. Some is a mixed group. And what, we, what I do is because it's a long-term program, I get these women to be on some of the communication channels. Could be on WhatsApp. Could be on Slack. Whatever works, so that we can continuously have engagements with these women, not only during the classroom sessions, but to kind of check how is it that they are able to implement what they have learned? Is it working, not working? I don't see any of these women speak up on those channels. So speak up is a huge agenda, right? Whether it is school, college, when you are inducting women into the organization and as they are growing up as leaders, we have to ensure that we tell them it is so very important to speak up. As Michelle Obama told that if you have a seat at the table, you have to make use of it. And if you are scared to use your voice, then please get up and, you know, give that seat to somebody else. Yep. So I think ERGs, employee resource groups, having diversity champions who are on the floor speaking to people to see what's working, not working. And one last thing, which is a big one, which is role models. So yep. how can we showcase role models to the women to, for them to realize that if she has done it, then I can also do it, right? At Aspire for Her, where I consult, we say, if she can see it, she can be it. Mm -hmm. So the more and more role models we are able to, you know, showcase, and these role models don't have to be really senior leaders. They can be, you know, people at any level, any stage in their life. But if we can even bring out one story from this woman who's kind of overcome a challenge, and if that is something we can showcase, I think every woman would want to kind of try it out.
0: Well, and I, I can confidently say you're a role model for many. So thank you for serving in that role for, for the next generation of STEM career holders, of women thank leaders. You. I I hope that they're both in India and throughout our sweet membership looking up to you. Thank you. Okay, and I've got one last question for you, neerja As it ties to your career, and i'm I'm somebody that's made little pivots in my career, not necessarily going from stem to nonprofit, but what right. I really want to dive into is how did your background as a woman in STEM really prepare you for that gender diversity work you're doing today, and how did you make that pivot?
1: Sure, so in the initial days, I really didn't think of anything and everything that I did as or any feedback that I received mm-hmm. as, oh, you are a woman, and that is why that's happening right and and Um, obviously, I started in the early 1990s. So I, I really didn't think about it. I just went ahead doing my work. And if somebody gave me feedback, I took it as a feedback that has to come to me, not because of my gender. So I really didn't concentrate on that part of it. And I have to tell you that I have transformed myself from being a very meek, timid, shy girl into who I am, this outspoken woman today, right? Because there was an opportunity that came my way. So uh, when I was in ANZ, after five years in the organization, my team lead had to take up an on-site position for six months, and they asked me to lead the team. And in those days, uh, leadership was not necessarily about all the other aspects that we uh, talk about today. They only looked at technical competence, and whoever was the most technical, technically sound person was made the team lead, and they made me the team lead. And then I realized that I need to speak up because, you know, as a leader, I can't just be quiet. Now, an opportunity came my way and I transformed myself. So I thought, what happens to all those women who are like me, but the opportunities don't come their way, right? Mm -hmm. So I started ensuring that I make myself available on platforms where I can use my voice and experiences to mentor women, to write on those platforms, to speak and do such conversations so that. They can have a positive mindset shift that's how i kind of transitioned so i was doing this when i was in my corporate career and so when i decided to leave the corporate career i knew that this is what i had to do and uh, i started looking out for opportunities and it happened through all these platforms that uh, i have been part of but i want to kind of narrate two stories to say how i had opportunities which made me realize that we all need to do more of this. Everyone is a role model. And I, I really want everyone to see themselves as role model. While we have to seek out role models, we all need to be role models for others. So in my very first job, it was a contact assignment at Sonata, and I was still studying. They had given me a shift, right? Morning shift. Now, I could not really work that morning shift because I was studying at an institute and. Uh, I had to be there to look for spare PCs and do more practice hours because we didn't have, in early 1990s, we didn't have computers at home. So we had to kind of hang around in the institute to look for a spare PC and do more practice. So practice can happen anytime during the day. So I couldn't really stick to a particular shift timing. And I told my skip level manager that this is a problem that I have. And she discussed with the management and came back to me and she said, we will make an exception for you and we will allocate a dedicated computer for you. So you can come in whenever, you can go whenever, as long as you finish the work, in the week, right? That has left a very, very big impact and mark on my mind. This was a brilliant example of equity, right? We speak about equality, okay, fine, we need women, let's go hire women, Mm. but what about equity? you know, ensuring that there's a level playing ground for everyone. So as a student, I needed something else. So it was not a privilege, but the realization that this girl needed something more, she needed a dedicated computer. And that's all that was given to me. They did not lessen my, you know, workload. They did not, you know, say you can make more mistakes. Mm -hmm. But that helped me in terms of completing my course at the Institute, as well as, you know, moving from the contract assignment to the, you know, full-time job. And another one was you know, towards the end of my corporate career, I invited this role that I had, which was the business performance manager role, right? I was the first woman in 15 years in that account. So as a business performance manager, you had to ask everyone for a lot of metrics and data and reports. And while all of that would be calendarized, we would send them reminders. None of the data would come on time. So I would continuously follow up on emails and after the first two follow-ups, my third email would read, "I'm very sorry, but is it possible for you to give it to me today?" And my manager asked me, "Why are you sorry?" They all have to be sorry because they have not given you the data. This is your job, and you need to kind of ask very aggressively you know for that. So these kinds of small instances made me realize that they are very powerful, they are very small things, but they are very powerful in the way I shaped myself and hence, I felt the need to bring this out in the open. And uh, so I do, uh, you know, whatever I do in terms of the role, in terms of my talks, in terms of my writing. And we saw at We uh, Local in Bangalore that the women, some of the women had tears after I spoke because they saw themselves in me. Mm-hmm. The phases of life that I had gone through, they were probably going through it then. And hen- hence they kept standing and speaking to me even after I left the stage. And I'm so glad that if this can make an impact, I will do more and more of it. If they can see it, they can be it. And uh, thank you, Svi, for you know bringing more role models uh, like me you know, on the platform so that they can see me.
0: No, absolutely. Those having those role models is so crucial. And and like I said, and and clearly you've recognized it. So thank you for having the confidence in that you were one. I know that there were so many people inspired by what you said, and. And to your point, probably saw themselves in you in the different phases of what you were sharing with us that day. So I think that's really valuable. I wanna thank you again, Neerja, for your time speaking with us today. I think this is the absolute perfect way to celebrate International Women in Engineering Day. And I hope our listeners are taking away as many valuable lessons as I, I'm taking away from our conversation. Between the really trying to embrace that, what's the worst that can happen, I'm I'm going to try and be a better advocate for that. I just recently my my manager said I was maybe not an optimist. He may have called me a pessimist. That's okay. I'm working through that. I claim to be a realist. So we're we're working through what's the worst that can happen. I'm going to try and work on some of the techniques that you mentioned with regards to that. But I do also want to encourage you to embrace that growth mindset. So if you do find yourself in the states, as I said before, the invitation to help you learn to drive is open. I am more than happy to take you out on some country roads that do not have the India level of traffic. <laughs> and I will, I will share with you the ways of the United States roads. I'm not sure how transferable that skill will be back to India, but happy to help you continue to grow even, even at this stage in your life, should you choose to take me up on that. Just want to thank absolutely, you. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Look at this. This is how women uh, motivate uh, each other, right? While you know, my husband keeps saying it's not going to happen. He it needs another woman to tell me that you know, <laughs> can still do it. And I really urge all the women listening in to be that advocate for other women, really. Thank you. I will definitely, you know, keep that in mind. And okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of us that would be happy to help you, but the offer stands Thanks. from me absolutely thank you so much for this opportunity and it was a fantastic conversation and uh, i hope uh, it will uh, change some mindsets of women and men who listen to this
0: absolutely i'm sure it will from all of us at sui thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode of diverse please don't forget to subscribe leave a review and share this episode with your social network You can visit SWE.org to learn more about how the Society of Women Engineers empowers women to achieve their full potential as engineers and
1: leaders.